I'm Tina, I'm an alcoholic. Um, very nervous today and uh, I'll just share that with you so that I'm being fearless and thorough in my honesty before I start. But um, I'm also really, really privileged to be here today and, um, and glad to be sharing on, uh, on the fourth step. And uh, I've been primed before I stood up here that I'm not allowed to talk about the big book that's going to be done elsewhere and later. Uh, I'm not allowed to talk about the other steps, got to stay focused on step four, which is really hard for me because I find that um, in talking about the steps, they all, they all work together and they depend on each other, but I will try and um, just stick to the fourth step. Um, I also wanted to say that, uh, you know, that I'm sharing this stuff in retrospect. I, um, I've done a couple of fourth steps myself. I've done a lot of other inventories um, and I've heard other people's inventories so over the six years that I've been sober um, I've learnt a lot through experience about the fourth step and the stuff that I'm going to share today I would have had no idea about before I started my first inventory. It was all a bit of a mystery to me this fourth step so if you're sitting here today and you haven't been through the process and you feel a bit lost um, I just say to you, don't worry. The best way to learn about this stuff is by doing it. You know, it's a program of action, and um, and that was how the fourth step really came alive for me was by actually doing it. Um, as I said, I've been sober for six years. I got sober uh, in America, and um, I went to a, a rehab there, which was very much based on the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, so I was exposed to the steps very early on and um, as probably a lot of you might have heard in your time in AA, the fourth step's one that comes up a lot. People talk about it a lot and there's a lot of kind of um, mystique, I guess, about, about this step. Um, so I kind of, uh, you know, after I uh, realised what people were talking about when they kept talking about this program, at first I had no idea what the program was, you know, <laughs> and then I realised it was these 12 steps on the wall and... Um, and this fourth step got talked about a lot as being a very freeing process. And if there was one thing that I wanted when I first got sober, it was to be freed of the crap that was going on in my head. Because I knew that um, if my thinking didn't improve, there was every chance that I was going to pick up a drink again. I just couldn't bear what was going on between my ears. Um, I, was a, um, I was a daily top-up drinker for probably the last five years in my drinking and, uh, and so I really hadn't spent a lot of time sober in my own head. You know, that was my life's quest before I got sober was to not be aware, not be conscious, to be trying to uh, escape from reality as much as I could. So uh, getting sober was a rude shock, you know, it was actually having to sit with the one thing that I spent all my time trying to run away from, which was myself. And, um, and on top of that, in order to be a daily top-up drinker, um, you know, I had uh, sort of fallen into a lifestyle which was probably completely against everything I've been brought up to believe in. And probably when I found out about my own, uh, you know, morals and, and uh, you know, what was right for me, it was pr completely against everything that I believed in. And so I had a lot of guilt and shame <coughs> that I brought into me into sobriety about my behaviour. Uh, in my drinking. Uh, so the combination of that stuff of this crazy, you know, that non-stop dialogue going on in my head about, you know, what should I do, what should I say, I don't want to be here, that person's looking at me, all that kind of stuff combined with the, the guilt, shame and remorse from my drinking was just, it was literally a weight that I found I couldn't bear. 
So I actually ended up doing an inventory pretty much off my own bat when I was two months sober. I, um, I had a lot of, um, the rehab I was in had a lot of Hazelden literature and so uh, even though I had been reading the big book as well, I did it, uh, I did it through this Hazelden literature and I shared it with a, um, with a counsellor who worked at the rehab. Um, and uh, you know, I don't think there's any right or wrong in AA. That was just what I needed to do at the time to get enough of this stuff off my chest to be able to actually keep going and, and not have to pick up a drink. Um, and uh, when I got back to Australia, I got myself a sponsor and um, I went through another fourth step with her. But again, it wasn't quite done the way that it's outlined in the big book. And although it helped me at the time again to get closer to her, to be honest with another human being, it didn't really um, teach me an awful lot more about myself. Um, now the third, fourth step I did when I was 18 months sober um, was probably the first time that I actually sat down and went through the process the way that it's outlined in the big book. And I guess what had happened was that, you know, I'd had that period of sobriety and I had been, um, I had a sponsor and I had a home group and I was doing service in AA, I was doing a lot of meetings. I was trying to do all the right things but I still felt like um, I was coming head to head all the time with myself, you know, with my thinking and my actions and I felt like I was a bit stuck still. I guess that's probably the best way to put it. And, um, and over the time that I'd been in AA, you know, I'd heard a lot of talk about that self-will and that self-centeredness as being the core of our problem. And, um, you know, Jim talked about it with step three that, uh, you know, that the reason that I had to take that step was I had to realise that self hadn't got me very far, you know, that living on self was, uh, wasn't working and that's what had brought me to my knees and brought me into AA. Um, and so I started to see that the fourth step was really about looking at self, you know, looking at, uh, at my thinking and the way that that manifested in my actions and... Um, and looking at the way that I kind of uh, interacted with the world. <laughs> and basically the way I interacted with the world was to, um, very much like the scenario of going out and expecting all the cars to get off the road, was it was all about me. And even though I had an incredibly low self-esteem and I didn't think I was worth, you know, the stuff that you scraped off the bottom of your shoes, I, um, you know, on the flip side, I still expected everything to go my way. And I walked around with this sort of victim mentality that the world was out to get me. You know, everyone was going out of their way to do things the opposite to the way that I wanted them to. And if everything just changed around me, then I'd be okay. And I didn't know that I had these ideas. I didn't know any of this before I did an inventory. I just knew that I felt like life was really, really hard work. And I felt like I had it so hard. I had such a hard life. And if you had a life like mine, you'd drink too. Or if you had a life like mine, you'd spend most of your life thinking about yourself, being, you know, feeling sorry for yourself, wishing that you know, people would just be a bit more understanding about how hard it was for me. And the reality is, is I didn't have a hard life. You know, my life, if you uh, looked at it objectively, was a very, it was a great life. You know, I had nice parents. I didn't come from an alcoholic home. I had a good upbringing, a good education. I had every opportunity in life. And yet I still had this mentality of poor me, you know. And, uh, you know, it talks about it in the literature about, you know, the sort of two rough kinds of alcoholics. There's the depressant kind and then there's the sort of the grandiose kind. And I could swing from one to the other. But generally, 
in my sober state, I was the depressive kind. You know, I was the person who always thought that I was being hard done by, that, uh, you know, like I said, that everything was just so hard. And I guess, you know, at this point, at 18, years so, at 18 months sober, and I just got myself a new sponsor, and she was going to fix me, because, uh, you know, she was really big book orientated, and she was going to, you know, and I still had that mentality that someone was going to come along and do things for me that I couldn't do for myself. And, um, and like I said, it's a program of action and my sponsor was very big on that. And she took me right back to the first step um, because she said to me that she wanted to be really sure about the foundation that I was working from. And uh, although I promised I wouldn't talk about the other steps, I just, you know, I want to say that to people today is, is it's really important to start at the beginning. You know, a lot of people skip straight to the chapter on how it works because, you know, they want to know how it works. But... Um, you know, those first three steps, um, without doing them, I couldn't have gone any further. Um, and they all follow on. I mean, you know, without step one, I couldn't do step two. Without step two, I couldn't do step three. And if I didn't have a higher power, I could not have done my inventory. There is no way. Because, you know, Tina left to her own devices is never fearless or thorough, never mind both. And, um, you know, there was no way that I was going to be able to have that honest look at myself if I didn't have a higher power there to keep drawing upon. You know, I needed that, that kind of reassurance that there was some kind of safety net there because I felt, you know, like I was delving into a black hole because I'd never looked inside before. It was all outside. It was you and you and them and they and if everyone else just, you know, pulled their finger out, it'd be okay. I was, you know, big on the blame game. And, um, you know, and it says in the literature too that we have to drop that word blame. You know, it's got to stop being about what everyone else is doing and it's got to start being about what am I doing and where am I putting myself in a position to be hurt. And um, so the process started and, um, you know, it says in the big book that we look at the common manifestations of self, you know, and basically um, the way that it tells me in the big book is that, you know, the common ones are resentments, fears and harms. You know, that's the way that myself kind of manifests in the world. And it was true, you know, if I looked back on my life thus far, when I was doing that, um, that inventory, really, you know, there wasn't a lot of constructive stuff that I'd left in my wake. It was pretty much, I was angry at just about everyone I knew and a whole lot of people I didn't know anymore. I was angry at just about every institution I'd ever come in contact with because they'd, you know, done me wrong. And, um, and I had the, all these fears, like fears about everything. And, uh, and along the way, because I was so angry and so fearful, I'd done all this harm to other people because I'd gone out in the world trying to get my needs met and, uh, and not really given a toss about anyone else. You know, it was all about, I have to have this, I have to have it now, and if you're in my way, well, that's your problem. Um, but again, I didn't see that. I thought I was a nice girl. You know, I thought I was a really nice girl who just had a really bad run and, uh, you know, again, at some point, everything was going to magically change and I'd figure out the, you know, the secret of the universe and, and I'd be okay. Um, and there was a lot, of, uh, a lot of denial in me about, you know, that, that, the chasm between that image of me being this nice girl in bad circumstances and then actually having a look at what my behaviour had been like. Because even though I knew I was powerless over alcohol, the program told me I still had to take responsibility for my actions. You know, I couldn't just say, well, sorry, everyone, I've been, you know, pissed off my head for the last 10 years. I didn't mean it, you know, I won't do it again. It was, um, it had to go a bit deeper than that. Because, 
you know, as it says in the book that, you know, alcohol was the symptom of my problem. You know, my real problem was me. And if I didn't take a long, hard look at me, I would continue to behave sober the way that I'd behaved in my drinking. And at some point the pain would get great enough that I would have to either kill myself or drink again, you know. And sometimes that stuff sounds really harsh to say from the floor, but my sponsor was, she was honest with me. She said, this is the reality, you know, death and insanity for alcoholics who don't find another solution to their problem. And, um, you know, and I needed that. I needed that constant reminder that if I really was serious about having a good life and not going back to um, active alcoholism, I had to be, I had to know what was at stake here if I didn't really throw myself 100% into these steps. Um, so I had those two things in my mind. I had this higher power that I had a very short and unstable relationship with to that point in time. And I had this other you know, sort of fear that if I didn't do this thing properly, I was going to drink again. And, um, and those two things really kept me going through my fourth step. And, um, you know, you hear a lot of stuff in meetings about, about how awful the fourth step is and, and how, you know, it, it sort of gets built up to be this big thing. And really, for me, I didn't understand it when I first sat down to do it because I... I thought it had to be complicated. I thought if this thing is going to sort me out, it has to be really hard. And it was just so simple that I couldn't see it. I couldn't get my head around the fact that really all I was being asked to do was write a list, you know, like a shopping list, except of people that I was angry with and, and things I was afraid of and stuff, you know, bad stuff that I'd done to other people. That's all it was being asked, just write a list, you know. And, uh, but that was too simple for me, so I had to sit for ages, kind of, you know, trying to figure out what it was all about before I did it. Um, but, um, you know, like they say in the program, pain's a great motivator, and uh, it's hard to sit in that spot where you know that you've got to change, but you don't know what you've got to change or how you're going to do it. And that's kind of where I was at when I was trying to do that, that inventory. Um, you know, and every time I'd, I'd ring my sponsor, she'd, she'd say to me, how's it going? How's the inventory going? And, um, and eventually it got to the point where she actually got me over to her house. She was moving house. And I, I had been balking at this stage. I sort of started a little bit, but, you know, I kept saying I didn't have time and what have you. And she got me over to her house, sat me in a room while she was packing up her house, and I finished, I finished that fourth step. And uh, when I actually sat down and did it, it was so... It was really simple. It wasn't easy because I don't find being honest with myself easy ever, you know, because, like I said, I don't want to look at it. It's much easier to blame everyone else rather than taking a look at myself. Um, but I guess what happened for me is I sat down and I started doing it. I wrote this list of people. Um, I wrote, you know, why I was angry at them or why I was afraid of whatever I was afraid of. And all that stuff was pretty standard. I, I'd, you know, I'd known all that stuff before, who I was angry at and why. Um, the third column, talking about the instincts, was a bit new to me. I hadn't really ever delved that deeply into my, you know, my inner workings. Um, but what I started to see, especially with the help of my sponsor, was that <coughs> I'd gone out into the world trying to get my needs met, you know, and that was what it was all about. And maybe that wasn't the best way to approach relationships or approach, uh, you know, living life. Maybe it would be better if I had different motivations rather than always it being about me getting my needs met. Um, but the real revelation for me was that fourth column and, um, and I found that really difficult. 
um, because like I said, I had this image of myself as being a really nice person in really bad circumstances. Um, and it was hard for me to own the dishonesty and the selfishness and the self-seeking. Um, but at the same time, when I actually did, and, um, you know, and that stuff spilled over a bit into the fifth step when I sat down with my sponsor and went through it, um, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know, I was terrified of ever admitting that I'd done anything wrong because that would make me a bad person. And, um, and in the program, I guess, through having a higher power and knowing that, there, you know, that this wasn't the end of it, there were other steps to follow, and, uh, and knowing that other people's experience was that this has been incredibly freeing for them to do this stuff. Um, it gave me the courage to keep going. And what happened was I discovered that like most other human beings, I had defects. I wasn't perfect. And most of the stuff that I'd spent my whole life blaming everyone else for was actually stuff that I had brought upon myself through my own behaviour. And I guess the great thing about discovering that was that I had a chance to change it. Because I know I can't change anyone else or anything else. But if I have a chance of actually changing myself to meet the conditions of life, then I might have a chance to be happy. Um, and it talks about that a lot in the literature, that you know, if I'm a person whose instincts are constantly in, you know, at war with each other, then I have no chance of happiness or serenity. You know, and I didn't get sober to be miserable. You know, that wasn't the idea. I was miserable. I was getting sober to feel better and to be happy. You know, so this process showed me that, yeah, there's, there's a problem here, there's some stuff we need to work on, but, you know, once you identify it, you have a chance to be rid of it. Um, so I guess uh, with my five minutes to go, I just, um, you know, I just wanted to... Oh, two minutes. I better talk faster. I guess I just wanted to say to people that, you know, like the rest of the steps, it's really simple, but if you try and do it on your own, it gets really complicated. You know, if you're anything like me, you'll overcomplicate something that's just so basic. So please get a sponsor. And, you know, and I've heard it said before, the fourth step is way past sponsor time. You know, get a sponsor and start at the beginning. It's the easiest, softer way, you know, to do it that way. And, um, you know, take it one step at a time and, and try not to be afraid of the outcome of the steps. Just try and do it a day at a time. You know, focus on whatever step you're on. And... Um, you know, and keep drawing upon the strength in the fellowship and the strength of a higher power because, you know, really that's what, um, that's what got me through the process. Um, and it talks in the 12 and 12 about how the fourth step is a, it's the beginning of a lifetime practice. And I have to say that in my recovery, that tool of taking inventory of myself is probably the most helpful thing that I've been taught. Um, that and the prayers that they talk about in the fourth step about praying for people when you're angry with them, praying to have fears removed. Those two things have got me through so many instances in my life that I would not have been able to get through because I was a runner. If I was afraid, um, you know, I just didn't turn up and, and that had basically shown itself in my <laughs> life because I, I, um, I hadn't accomplished anything because I just kept running away. Um, and in sobriety, I'm able to look at my fears. I can share them with another trusted member. Um, and, um, you know, and I can pray to have them removed. Um, but that's something that I have to use today on a daily basis is that inventory. I have to constantly, because my head tells me lies, and I have to try and find what the truth of the matter is. 
and it's through that really simple process of going through those columns that I always get to the truth of the matter. And, um, you know, I guess for me today, being able to see my part in it, which, as I said, is something that I have some ability to change or do something about, you know, I now can live in the world and I don't think my life is so hard. Well, some days I do. <laughs> but, um, you know, really today I'm very grateful for everything in my life. And, um, and I have things in my life because I can actually show up and be responsible and own up to my part in things. You know, I wouldn't have a relationship today if I was operating the way I used to operate because if, if we had a disagreement, that'd be it, I'd be gone. I'd be in another state, you know, kind of 10 minutes later. Um, you know, and this process of taking inventory has really shown me that a lot of the problems I have in life are not about other people or circumstances, they're about me and my reaction to things. And if I can have an honest look at my reaction, I've got a chance to do something about it and I've got a chance to actually work through a situation that I might not otherwise be able to work through. Um, and that's been the gift of the, of the inventory to me is that it has been, it's a tool that I use you know, on a daily basis to get through situations I couldn't get through otherwise. Um, so I'll leave it there and um, thank you very much for asking me to share.